is the devil, praise the Lord. We know all about him. The Bible doesn't say, well, eventually, you know, you'll grow out of knowing, uh, thinking it's the devil, and, and you'll become so sophisticated and recognize that really, you know, everything that happens is really just, there's a reason behind it. No, <laughs> there is a reason that enemy wants to destroy your life. Let's start here in Matthew chapter 13. And Matthew 13 is the, referencing these, the parable of the sower. You know, so the word, and the word is the seed. But I want us to pick up here at, uh, uh, let's see, uh, let's start here at verse 24. I'm reading in Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while the, the man slept, his enemy, wow, there you go, his enemy, you know, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household said, came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in the, thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that uh, we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the uh, wheat with them. Okay. Uh, the point here is that an enemy got involved here. Uh, look at verse uh, 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, uh, and understands it not, then comes the wicked, the wicked one, and catches away that which was sown in their hearts. This is uh, he that receives seed by the wayside. Now, uh, God and the devil are not working together. Let me show you this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12 here. And in Matthew chapter 12, let's look over here at verse 22. And they brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that... Uh, the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And this is Matthew 12, looking at verse 22. Jesus said, uh, I mean, in reference to the story, here's the, this guy uh, was demon-possessed. And all the people were amazed and said, and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. In other words, he's cut a little deal with the devil, uh, because the Pharisees were, they were jealous of all the crowds that Jesus had, you know. And they were trying to point the finger and say, he's not of God. Well, is that so? Well, Jesus, look at verse 25, we'll let him explain this. And Jesus knew their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Now, why would he talk about kingdoms? Because, saints, uh, there is a kingdom down here, and it's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is coming. Don't you remember Revelation? The new Jerusalem is coming down. And besides that, our, the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Why don't you just say his kingdom's here? It's not here. This is what explains all the mishaps going on down here. It's the reason it's, it's, it's important for us to stay on our knees and pray instead of just saying, well, I guess I, I, guess I can't beat this one and this problem and that problem and whatever. Uh, no, we're in the world, Jesus said in John 17, but we're not of it. And Jesus said, I pray that you'll keep them from the evil. That's it. He didn't say, well, you know, if it's good from the Lord, just let it get them. It's not good for us. God can take care of you and I without causing us to go through problems. But a lot of times in our American uh sieve, whatever, our, our American glasses we put on, we're trying to explain everything and not hurt anybody's feelings or whatever, we'll try to say, well, you know, 
Some things we just don't understand, and one day when we get to heaven, we're going to ask the Lord. Well, you can cut to the chase a little bit and recognize some things that happen right now based on these scriptures here. So Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every house or city divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? In other words, if God and the devil were working together here, they're not working together. Jesus is stopping the works of Satan here. Uh, let's, let, let me go to, go to the book of Acts, please. Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, look over here at verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Wow. So now we know what took place when Jesus healed that blind man, that dumb man, whatever it was, and got rid of that devil. You know, I mean, it was not the hand of God that put those demons there. It was not. It was not God that created his sickness and all those kind of things. No, it wasn't. I mean, if words mean anything. Now, remember, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on John 3.16 to get me to heaven. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to ask a Muslim, is John 3.16 so? I'm not going to ask some professor, are you kidding me? He's too interested in his money he gets from the state. And I'm not going to listen to some philosopher who's just, well, you know, you just never know. I'm going to listen to the Word of God. There was actually a man that showed up one day over 2,000 years ago. He's on record. He really came. His name is Jesus Christ. And all these words we have here. And he also told us about Moses. And he also verified all the way about Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob, and on back. And so Jesus himself gives us the uh, evidence that oh, the word of God is so. He said, not one jot or tittle will pass away. My word will last forever, praise the Lord. Anyway, so he says here that, uh, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, go with me to the book of First John. Go all the way to Revelation, back up a few books. You'll be in First John. First John, a little short book there. Uh, 1 John, uh, and let's go to chapter 3, and look down here at verse 8. He that commits sin is of the devil. Well, I don't know. I mean, Adam, you know, Eve, you know, they were doing all right. We don't want to say the devil was involved. <laughs> Can you not read? That's who showed up. The serpent. He told Eve, he said, oh, you're going to be okay. You eat this, you're going to be all right. And God warned him, no, don't. In chapter 2, Genesis. And Satan shows up in chapter 3. The serpent was more subtle. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that old serpent, a dragon called Satan. We know what was going on. But anyway, so here we are, verse 8. He that commits sin is of the devil. Makes sense. He was there day one when they uh, lost everything in Genesis 3. But anyway, let's, let's pick up verse, 1 John 3 in verse 8. He that commits sins of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Wow. Destroy the works of the devil. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, let's go back to Luke this time. It's just important to realize there's works of the devil out there. Yeah, I'll just, in passing, remember, go, go, go to Luke chapter 13. The only way to Luke 13, I'll quote you one out of, uh, out of uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 6. Just take the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, I don't believe in the devil. <laughs> well, whether you believe it or not, he, he's kind of glad that you don't believe him because that way he can just blame everything on God 
and then uh, you'll you'll fall for it. Thank God we know better. Should I find Luke? Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Excuse me, I knew better than that. Luke chapter thirteen. But I was going to quote out of uh, of um, out of um, uh, Ephesians six there, and it says, uh, uh, "The shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the wicked." Your shield of faith. That means you got to be using some faith, and it's not just believing that Jesus will take you to heaven. Praise the Lord. Mercy. There's more to it than that. Peter was going to sink if he didn't use his faith. He was walking on the water. He had to use his faith, and he was. Till all of a sudden, he started looking at the winds and the waves. You and I can start looking at our circumstances. You and I can start to think that there's no way I'm going to get any help. Now, I want us to think about this woman here that got some help here. Look at verse 11. Hebrew, not Hebrew, excuse me, Luke 13. Here we go. Verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. That's a long time. Now, what was going on? The rest of the details. And was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. You know, I mean, well, had muscle problems. I don't care what the problem is. The problem was not God. Let me tell you, but the answer is God. Uh, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Well, I don't want to spend much time on, on the word woman here, right here, or you, or the word art, but that word loosed kind of jumps out. I've heard this before. Yeah. Matthew chapter 18, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, he was talking about prayer. Because the next few verses behind that in Matthew 18, one of my favorites, verse 20 and 21, he says, again, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done. It's just like calling in for support from our military. You're on a mission and you're about to run out of ammunition, but you got your radio and you can call your boss, shall we say, or your commanding officer and say, please, I need help right over here. Give me your coordinates. You give them your coordinates and here comes the fire. Here comes the fire support. Here comes the help. That's the same thing we're doing here. Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Well, I wish we could do that. Well, sort of just a lack of our own reading our Bible. Uh, you know, if you read Mark chapter 16, it's pretty easy to find this. The very last chapter, very last few words. These signs shall follow them that believe they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, I don't see too many people recovering. Well, how many people did you pray for today? Well, well that's not the, it is the point. <laughs> start praying for people. You know, where you ought to start, start on yourself. Praise the Lord. I know we got medication for everything, just about. But I don't know if you haven't figured it out or not, but if you start getting a scratchy throat, throat, how long does that last? Well, buddy, you can put me out for about a week. Well, why don't you try praying at the same time you're taking your medication? I didn't say don't take your medication. That's silly. Why don't you try praying, you know? Well, I mean, I don't need to pray. I mean, I got the medication. <laughs> pray! Watch what happens. And these are just spiritual uh, prayer exercises. I mean, we've gotten so far, some of us, you know, we just, we're just like, well, I, I, I'm okay. I got this for that, and I got that for this, and whatever, and whatever, and whatever, and whatever. And, and it's no wonder we don't read the book of Psalms. I mean, the book of Psalms is how to get out of every bit of problem you could ever have. But in our society, it, it's like, you know, we've got answers. And if you don't have answers, then what do you do? You always run to somebody else. Well, I got somebody. You blame it on somebody else. And you, you tell them, and then maybe they'll help you. 
well, they can't give you peace of mind, you know, they can't give you uh, health and these other things, but it seems like, you know, uh, we're always just running, trying to get other people to uh, uh, <clears throat> be our answer or, or search for something, and we've got only the thing that's necessary, and that's the Word of God. I mean, it's, it's amazing here. Okay, watch this. So anyway, immediately he laid his hands on her. No, he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler in the synagogue answered with indignation. So somebody there was mad because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. That's something. And he said it to the people, you know, there's six people that, there's six days people ought to be healed, and men ought to, no, excuse me, there's six days in which men ought to work, and, and in them, therefore, come and be healed. And not on the Sabbath. Well, at least he admitted that they could get healed on those other six days. I mean, it looked like he, he, he sure enough realized healing was so. Verse 15, the Lord answered and said to him, you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to water? In other words, you take your animal, go get him some water. And he says, ought not this woman, now watch close to these words, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Wow. Look at that. Jesus said himself, this woman, because of her back trouble, she was bent over for 18 years. The root of it was not God. The root of it here, he says, that Satan had bound her all this time. Wow. Let's go to the right. Let's go all the way to First Peter. Peter would be who? Well, he was the guy that walked on that water that day, wasn't he? He was the one that said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was one of the ones in the boat uh, that actually owned the boat when uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, Cast your nets on the right side, and you'll find catch. And Peter had said, Well, well we fished all night long, didn't catch anything, but Lord, hey, that's your word. We're going to do it. And when Peter did that, there were so many fish that he could not... Uh, bring them in. They had to call for another boat. Remember that. A lot of other things Peter did. Anyway, First Peter, please, chapter 5. So Peter learned a whole lot from being so close to Jesus. Now I want us to look over here at uh, verse 8. First Peter, chapter 5, look at verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Now what does vigilant mean? Just be attentive. Remember when 9-11 hit, you heard President Bush, he was saying, let's all, you know, just, I mean, what are we going to do? Well, be vigilant, you know. You see something that doesn't look right, report it, you know. Let's just keep our ears open here. Let's be watching. Well, same thing's true here. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Hmm. Adversary, that means the enemy. Peter didn't say, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, all things, you know, shall we say, work together for good. You know, if it falls and breaks your head, whatever, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not going to work for good. And that scripture has been jerked around, and it's not the truth. It's not. If you go back and look and read above it and below it, it's those things that he's talking about. Those things are what work together. Yes, you're going to clean up a mess after it happens. And yes, God will get involved and help you. But it was never designed to be that way. It wasn't. None of these things were designed to be that way. God didn't create a second will. He created a one will. Man should have never fallen, praise the Lord. He shouldn't have. And one day we're going to be in a world that uh, there just dwells in righteousness only. All this other stuff's going to be gone. It's going to pass away with intense heat. Remember that? Okay, so anyway, 1 Peter 5, look at this again, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. In other words, 
be on guard because there's a reason. <clears throat> Your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion. Now, if you were in a room with a roaring lion, wouldn't that get your attention? Yes, you would definitely be sober and vigilant. Well, that's what we're in a room with. We're in a, in a, some people say, well, he doesn't have any teeth. Well, <laughs> he doesn't have any teeth if you're using your faith, you know. But if you just roll over and play dead, he's got some teeth. Because it said he's trying to devour you. If you let him, he'll devour you. See, look at verse 9. Whom resist? Now, whom who? Who's the whom? Your adversary, the devil. He really does exist. I mean, it's really basic to figure these things out. The angels of God, there's, there's just, uh, uh, it's just myriads and myriads. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Okay, you know. Oh. We find out from Revelation chapter 12 that one-third of the angelic host have fallen. Okay? That's where you're going to get the phrase demons from or whatever. So they're down here. And according to this, we're dealing with the devil. Either way, some of his cronies, whatever. You think they might be assigned to you? Well, sure. You're the light of the world. He's trying to shut you up, you know. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. You're a Christian. You're messing with his kingdom. He wants you out of the way, so try to create a little trouble. Try to keep you from being so happy. If he can keep you from being so happy, you won't tell anybody about Jesus. I tell you what, that's the reason it's so important to pray. You start praying, and just like Jesus said, your joy will be full. And guess what? You're not going to be able to keep your mouth shut. You're going to say, man, I, don't know how, I needed this, and I had no means to get it. Uh, or there was, it, you couldn't buy it. Money would not do it. You know, it could be your health or whatever. It, that makes no difference. And when you pray about it, and all of a sudden, oh, there it comes, then you're not going to be able to keep your mouth shut. Plus, you do these things. You can, like he says, whom resists steadfast in the faith, you're going to have praise report after praise report because you keep the enemy off of you. Okay, anyway. So whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world? In other words, quit thinking you're so special. Well, my problem's the worst. I got the worst problem of all. <laughs> no, you got the same one everybody else has got. Now, back up to verse 7. I know I split these things up. We read 8 and 9, but I want you to see you do have an enemy. Now I want you to show you how to stop him. Look at verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Well, he ain't talking about casting your cares over on the devil. He's talking about on the Lord. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Casting all your, uh, he says, uh, casting all your care, your care, your care, your worries, your anxieties. Think about Philippians 4, verse uh, 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. Well, I mean, how, how far removed are we from that? How many seconds, minutes, days, hours, years does it take for you to begin to pray about your situation? Well, I don't want to bug God with it. Well, see, that's, that's, that's a tradition. Well, it's not that important. It's important to you. You mean if you're a little kid, a little, a little toddler coming to you and had a little problem, and you wouldn't sit down and you'd say, you'd tell your little child, go away, don't bug me with that. No, you get on your knees, you talk to them, and if somebody's listening, they say, oh, that's so sweet. Well, that's the way God is. He wants to help you with your problem. I know I'm educated. I have a four-year degree. and I had somebody tell me one time, you know, God gave you a brain. That's why you're bothering God with these problems. I thought, mm -mm. <laughs> I don't care how many new cars you buy or whatever, or how many new washers and dryers you get. The first time that knob falls off, you're going to be, you might be wanting to say something out your mouth. You don't need to be, you know. I mean, you're going to start, well, G manufacturers. This, and if you just learn to pray, 
Some people, some people just think it's great. I, I can't buy a washer and dryer. Every one of them I buy it just breaks. Yep. They're going to keep breaking, too, until you learn how to pray. The enemy's trying to ruin your life. Oh, you wouldn't do that over a washer and dryer. He, shoot, he sure would. It steals your joy and makes you miserable. Please go to John chapter, uh, John chapter 10 here. John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, look down here at verse 10. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Hmm. wonder who that is. Well, let's keep reading. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but he that is a hireling is not the shepherd. So there's two different forces here, two different entities. Jesus is talking about two different people. One of them is himself, and he's comparing himself to somebody else. And it doesn't take me to be a genius to figure out which one I want. <laughs> oh, boy. Praise the Lord. Look over here at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Wow. Okay. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Why don't he just say, well, they just, you know, it don't even need to say that. It just comes without, uh, no, it doesn't come without saying it. You are protected. Praise the Lord. God's got you protected. Now, go, go to the 17th chapter. John 17. Uh, look over here at verse uh, 9. John 17, verse 9. This is a prayer here. If you read verse 1, uh, one second, we'll get verse 1. These words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Okay, now let's go to verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. What's the difference? Well, there's the difference. I pray for them, and I pray uh, not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Now, are you his? Yes, you're his. Book of Colossians, written to an entire church, says your life is hid with Christ and God. When you gave your life to Jesus, you became his. And we just read, no man's able to take them out of his hand. But you're going to have to use your faith. You're going to have to quit thinking that I'm alone, I'm alone, and I ain't got any help, and God's not with me. Yes, he is. David never saw the Lord. Yet he would say in the Psalms, I have the Lord before me at all times. He's at my right hand that I should not be moved. The Lord is my shepherd. He couldn't even see him. Well, he still said he was. And he still said in Psalm 18, my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. The big long list, my buckler, horn of my salvation. Can't even see him. He didn't see him when he killed Goliath that day. But he sure was bold, wasn't he? Hebrews 11 tells us how he killed Goliath. David, through faith, praise the Lord. Pretty obvious, that great story. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Boy, that'll really get you wound up. You read that one. 1 Samuel 17. All right, back to John 17. So he says, I don't pray for the world. I pray for those that, are, that you've given me. In other words, oh. Now he goes on and says in verse 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I mean, we should get this. Hey, I get it. Yeah, there's a difference. Jesus is not in the world, and I'm down here in it. And I come to the Holy Father. Look at the next word, keep. That word keep means protect. Keep through thy name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, now he's indicating 
I kept them, and he's comparing it to except for one. One of them is lost, the son of perdition. That perdition means destruction, okay? And he said that the scripture might be fulfilled. But guess what? He's the only one that the scripture said that was going to happen to. The scripture doesn't say you're going to fall. It doesn't. Uh, verse 13, he says, And now I come to thee, and these that I speak, uh, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. You ever wonder how come you're not happy? <laughs> oh, mercy. Verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Oh, I just you know, wish we could get this, you know. You're not of the world. If you go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and look at the book of Acts, you'll find out that the disciples and Jesus were independent from all the effects of this world. I mean, the guy falls out of a window during the meeting. Boom, he's dead. Well, that's the end of that one. Not one. He come to. 276 people are on a boat. You talk about the Titanic going down. This thing went down 14 days in the, in the, in the ocean, falling apart, this whole thing. And all 276 people are saved. Paul hits land. Woo! We made it. Builds a little fire, and all of a sudden, the viper that's supposed to kill you within a minute uh, latches on to Paul's arm. Did Paul go, well, you can't win them all? No. He didn't say that. Matter of fact, he would have said the other. You can win them all. Paul shook that thing off in the fire and felt no harm. The natives there couldn't believe it. They said, well, he must be a god. Well, <laughs> Paul straightened that out and told them what happened. And then guess what Paul did? He prayed for everybody in that island. Everybody in that island got healed. That's the way it's supposed to work. So anyway, back here to uh, John chapter 14. I mean, John 17. We're going to finish right here. Verse 15, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. What? Oh, I thought it was your job, my job, to, 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 to quit sinning. Well, see, that's not what he's talking about. That is our job. We're going to live right. But guess what God's job is? And you know what your job is to pray and you pray for your children? Is that they will be protective, protected. Praise God. What's Psalm 91 for? Hallelujah. Why is the uh, benediction that we've had at so many churches, the Lord bless thee and keep thee? What's that all about? It's protect you. The Lord uh, make his face shine upon me and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. I need that today. It belongs to you. It's all yours. Praise the Lord. We just have to use some, use some faith. Praise the Lord. Verse 15, one more time. I pray not you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. Hallelujah. Verse 18, those that thou hast sent, and thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I'm telling you, God will keep you safe. And you've got an enemy out there, and we've got to keep him stopped. Father, we thank you for your word.